going to read from various places in the, in the Gospels. Uh, first of all, in Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Turn please to Matthew's Gospel. Uh, just three verses from Matthew chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to be speaking uh, this time on the, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and in particular on the emphasis that, uh, that Jesus had in his life, in his training of others and uh, in his teaching uh, on the place that doing good has uh, in the life of a servant of God. So we read first of all in Matthew 5. And we'll be reading verses 14 to 16. Matthew 5, verse 14, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And then turning to Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter 12. Mark 12, and reading from verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And then turn over please to Luke's Gospel and uh, the one reading in chapter 9 and one from chapter 10. First of all, Luke 9 from the beginning. Luke 9 and from verse 1 through to verse 6. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. And then if you turn over to chapter 10, uh, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do 
to inherit eternal life. What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. <clears throat> We would all like to see the church that we belong to uh, growing. <clears throat> um, we would like to uh, see our congregation growing in terms of the, the number of people uh, who are there at our meetings, at our worship services, the number of people uh, who are actively involved. Uh, how is the church going to grow? Uh, I want to suggest a very simple answer. Uh, the church will grow by following Jesus. Uh, if we follow him, he will make us fishers of men. And to follow Christ uh, means to adopt the approach to ministry that Jesus Christ himself had. Uh, that is the challenge of the church in any age. Uh, churches are always faced with the danger of following our own traditional approach to things. We do what was done in the previous generation, uh, and maybe the one after that, and this is the way it has been, and so we do these things. And sometimes we're not really thinking, what was the approach that Jesus himself adopted when he was in this world, when he was moving among unbelievers? How did he go about uh, that work? Now, what I'm going to say... Uh, and this talk was um, something that I was led to think about uh, for myself through being at a seminar that Reverend David Sutherland uh, was speaking at a few years ago. And in that seminar, David referred uh, to some words in Luke 24:19. Uh, I think it was the New King James Version he was referring to. Uh, it's an incident after Jesus has risen from the dead. He's speaking to two of his followers on the road uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. 
and he asks them what it is that they are discussing. And the answer that they give to Jesus is this. The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And the key words that uh, David was emphasizing was uh, Jesus was mighty in deed and word. Uh, Our Lord Jesus Christ was not just a great teacher. He was a great teacher. He taught as one who had authority. And people listened when the Lord Jesus Christ taught. But he was not just a preacher of God's word. Uh, Jesus was well known for the good that he went about the land doing. He was someone who gave himself wholeheartedly to the doing of good. Uh, In the Acts of the Apostles, we're told... Um, by Peter when he is in the house of Cornelius uh, words we find in Acts 10 verse 38 he speaks there of how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil Uh, think about the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ what kind of life did Jesus live Jesus spent a lot of time going around doing good. That is how his apostle Peter testifies to his life. And we're familiar, of course, with many of the things we find in the Gospels of of how Jesus healed many people who were sick, how how he fed large numbers of people, crowds of 4,000 plus and 5,000 plus Uh, We read of the acts of kindness that the Lord Jesus extended to those who were the outcasts of society, those who nobody else would go near, those that nobody else would have time for or who would bother with. And Jesus gave himself to those people. And those people knew that they had a friend in Jesus. Jesus went around doing good. Uh, He was not one who was so busy preaching and teaching and training his apostles that he didn't have time to go about doing good. Doing good was an absolute priority of the Son of God. And there has been one perfect life lived on the face of this earth. And the man who lived that perfect life was a man who went about doing good. That was a key part of of his whole ministry strategy. That's what he was known as. Do you know Jesus? He's the man who goes about doing good and who teaches great things. Think about that. That's that's it. That is what God in the flesh did when he came into this world. The Lord Jesus Christ was not speaking every day and every night at meetings and always teaching people and training people. He was a man who went about doing good. He was mighty in deed and in word. We see that from the the life of Jesus. We, We also see it as a priority in his training of his apostles. Uh, In the work that he gave his apostles to do, 
he showed that what they were to do was what he had also been doing. Uh, when he sent the twelve out two by two uh, and their little um, uh, missions that, that they were sent on were told in Luke 9 that he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And we're told that uh, they departed, they went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Uh, so Jesus trained his apostles to do the same kind of ministry that he himself had been doing. We find similar instructions given at a time when Jesus sent out either 70 or 72 disciples. Luke 10 verse 9, Jesus says to them, And heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. There was a ministry of deed, and there was a ministry of word. And the two things went hand in hand. Jesus didn't send them out to do one of those things, or the other of those things, they were to do both of those things. That's the way it was. That's how Jesus trained uh, his apostles and his disciples. They were to address physical needs and they were to address spiritual needs. They were to minister like their master. So we see in the life that Jesus lived and we see in the training that Jesus gave that deed and word were to go hand in hand. We see that same thing in the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus attached great importance in his teaching to the doing of good. Uh, the well-known parable of the Good Samaritan surely emphasizes uh, that truth. The one, who, the one who acts commendably is the one who provides practical help to a stranger who is in genuine need. Uh, the priest fails to do that. The Levite fails to do that. And Jesus teaches that we are to be a neighbor unto others. Uh, <clears throat> the words of the Lord Jesus to the scribes who asked him which was the first, uh, foremost or greatest commandment of all. Jesus says, uh, that it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And he doesn't stop at that. He says the second uh, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says there's no other commandment greater than these. And Jesus didn't stop content with having said what the greatest commandment is. He had to attach onto it the second. And uh, he feels compelled to mention it in the same breath as the other because these two must always go together. Uh, Jesus was teaching that his followers should be known on the one hand for their love for God and on the other hand for their love for others. And that is what we are called to as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to aim at being a church that is known for our love for God and for our love for others. Love for others within the church and love for those who are not a part of any church at all. Uh, the, the emphasis of our Lord Jesus Christ in his teaching about the importance of doing what's good uh, also comes across clearly in those words we read from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. 
where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand so that it gives its light. And Jesus says, let your light shine before men. Let them see your good works so that they will glorify your Father in heaven. And there, in those words, Jesus attaches great worth and value and significance to the good works that Christians do. It is as others see the good works of the followers of Jesus that they themselves can be brought to glorify God. Uh, Another place you could think of is the parable of the sheep and the goats that is recorded in Matthew chapter 25. And the, the sheep in that parable are commended because of the good things they have done for others. And the goats are condemned because they failed to do any good. So my overall title is, Are We Doing Any Good? It's, it's, it's a bad news if as a church we're not doing any good. Uh, those people were condemned and sent to hell because they weren't doing any good. Uh, so I think it should be clear that by the way that the Lord Jesus Christ lived his life, by the things that he taught his apostles and disciples when he was training them, and by what he says in his wider teaching, that doing what is good is a huge part of what a God-honoring life will look like. And it's a huge part of what a God-honoring church will look like. These things really matter. We are to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not our place to decide what our agenda will be as a church. It's our job to follow the Lord Jesus and to take from him our instructions as to what kind of a church we are to be. We are to be a Christ-like church. We are to follow Jesus Christ and strive to be mighty in deed and word. Now, since uh, that is something that is of great importance, we would expect that that would be something that Satan, the great enemy of of the church, uh, would choose to attack. Uh, It is a, a foundation truth, and it is something that the devil has always sought to uh, attack. Uh, Satan has always been spreading the lie that it is by good works that you become a Christian. He loves to convince people that uh, there is no need to be born again, there is no need to look for a saviour, that the good things we do will earn our salvation, earn our favour with God. That is one of Satan's favourite lies. But that's not the only sense in which Satan has uh, attacked biblical teaching on doing good. Uh, I want to suggest that what the devil has been busy doing is that he has been seeking to drive a wedge between uh, teaching the truth on one hand and doing what is good on the other hand. Early in the 20th century, Uh, Satan 
spread about within many churches uh, the teaching that what really matters in Christianity is doing good. The doctrine doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The doctrine is something that gets people arguing with each other and causes divisions within churches. So don't bother too much about Christian teaching and doctrine. Just give yourselves to doing something worthwhile. And God will be pleased with that. Uh, <clears throat> doctrine doesn't matter. It's just your life that matters. Uh, and that was the, the lie that the devil spread among churches in Britain and elsewhere in the early 20th century. And when Satan spreads his lies, there is always a reaction against the lies of Satan uh, from the church that believes the Bible. And uh, it strikes me that there was a reaction by Bible-believing churches against that falsehood that Satan was, uh, was spreading. And churches that held to the truth perhaps uh, moved away from a right emphasis on doing good. Uh, because that's what the liberals were into. That's what they were emphasizing. That's what they were teaching. And uh, Bible-believing churches, on the whole, moved towards a much greater emphasis, an exclusive emphasis, on preaching about sin, about the need to repent, about the need to be saved, and all of those things that are absolutely true, but moved away from the idea that we're to be followers of Jesus Christ, who was mighty in deed and in word. Uh, <clears throat> I, I came across an example of that in uh, the Free Church of Scotland. In the Free Church of Scotland, uh, they, um, part of the Free Church at least, uh, there is a terminology that people wouldn't have used in their prayers. Um, a, a man uh, once said uh, that we don't, we don't use the words our Father in heaven in our church prayers because that's the way the liberals pray. And what does Jesus say? When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven. But the agenda for the church is sometimes not set by what the Lord Jesus Christ says. And instead, the agenda is set by reacting against those who have got it wrong. So if those who have got it wrong are saying, Our Father in heaven, well, we'll not say that. But we'll say something else instead. And Jesus says, But we know better than Jesus. And so we'll not use that terminology. And that's the kind of thing that happens. You get overreactions that, that lead people away from what is right. And that has happened within churches. And churches that are good, Bible-believing churches began to concern themselves almost exclusively with spiritual matters and moved away from Jesus' kind of ministry of word and deed. And they became churches that had a ministry of word only. And broadly speaking, the result of that was that you ended up with two kind of churches in the United Kingdom. There was one kind of church that was all about doing, and there was another kind of church where it was all about believing. 
One was all about being involved in the community, um, being active, uh, mixing with people, being useful. And the other, the important thing, was believing the truth, having a personal relationship with Christ, full stop. And the devil enjoyed great success with that tactic, and he is still using that tactic. And today, it's still the case that there are many churches that are busy doing good things, but they don't really have a, a message. They don't have a gospel. They don't understand the essence of Christianity. And on the other hand, there are churches where the gospel has been preserved, where truth is taught, but where those churches simply aren't doing any good. They're not going to have any impact upon the needy sinners of our world because the all-important thing is what you believe. It's a ministry of word and there is an absence of a ministry of deed. It is not a Christ-like approach. It is a one that has been determined by reacting against those who have gone astray. And the challenge, therefore, uh, is to ensure that in whatever church we belong to, we strive to have a church that has a ministry of deed and word. Not one or the other, but both. And that's something that's important as individuals. It's important within our families, within our various church organizations and as a whole church. Uh, always we need to seek to find ways by which we can go about doing good just as we also need to find ways by which we can go about telling the good news. We need to strive to follow Jesus, to adopt his approach to ministry in this sinful world. Now, I'm not uh, talking about any uh, modern man-made gimmicks that are designed to get people to come to church. I'm simply talking about striving to have a biblical pattern to our ministry and to our approach. It is our job as members of Christ's church, it's our role to find ways of doing good just as it's our role to find ways of spreading the good news. And the two things are meant uh, to go together. Uh, that's one of the things that um, I have sought to flag up and address in, in Karatz. Uh, Karatz is a congregation that is full of people who, whose families have been there for generation after generation after generation. And there's a great absence of people that have just come in uh, off the street. And uh, one thing that we did uh, a couple of years ago uh, was to produce a leaflet uh, uh, which was entitled Helping, uh, helping uh, it was asking the question, do you need a helping hand? And uh, it was offering people in the area around our church building uh, help in a wide variety of, of practical 
ways, some of them indoor jobs like uh, ironing and hoovering and uh, that kind of thing, outdoor jobs, uh, painting and grass cutting and various things. And uh, people in the area were asked if there was any way in which we could help them. And that was simply uh, an attempt uh, to say that uh, we, we want to do something that is good and that is helpful. And uh, the, there, there are lots of ways in which uh, this matter can be approached. The, the way in which it would be done would vary from one congregation to another. What might be done in Carrickfergus might be quite different uh, from what might be done in Ballyclaber or wherever it might be. But uh, that is the challenge of us as, as a church to have this ministry approach. God, who is all wise, God has joined together the doing of good and the telling of the good news. God has married those two things together. Those two things are always meant to go hand in hand. And the way by which the church will grow is through rediscovering ways uh, of doing good among those whom God has placed us among, while at the same time keeping alive and fueling the fire of gospel truth. Those two things need to be done. Those are hand in hand. God has joined them together, and no church has the right to separate those two things. Uh, we cannot possibly save people by just doing good things for them. And Jesus didn't uh, claim that that's what he was about. But doing good things for real people is one important means that God has appointed and that Christ has shown us. This is one of the ways for preparing the soil of people's hearts to receive the good seed of the gospel. It's good deeds that open the door for the good news. The doors are closed. People aren't wanting to hear the gospel. They don't want you to annoy them. They want to, want to keep watching EastEnders and whatever it is they want to keep watching. They don't want to talk to you on the doorstep. The door is closed. It is the good deeds that opens the door for the good news. And unless we're doing good, unless we're offering something to people, unless they see us as being those that there may be something in this for us, they're not really going to listen to what we know they really need to listen to. Now, I hope God willing to say more about that uh, tomorrow. But for now, I want you to remember our Lord Jesus Christ. When he was in this world, he went about doing good. That's what the scripture says. He was mighty in deed and word. And we are called upon to be followers of Jesus Christ. Follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. Amen.